Well, good morning, everybody. I'm John, and I'm going to chat with you a little bit this morning. But I have one request to make. Wouldn't it be great if every single one of us asked Mike Berkey at least one question about this? Huh? 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 I think that would be awesome. Anyway. <laughs> but we are so glad you're all here. I'm glad to be here with you. If you happen to be here for the first or second time, we're especially glad you're here. And uh, after you get your, like, welcome little gift thing there, I'm going to be out in the lobby over kind of on this side by the couch, and I'd love to say hi if you'd like to stop by and say hi. It's, uh, we've been doing a series on, called Investing in the Kingdom of God, and uh, I hope that's been helpful to you. I hope you've been encouraged by it. Uh, I think, the, as Jesus said, the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field, and someone noticed that and sold everything they had to get that treasure. It's also like the pearl of great price that someone again sold everything they had to buy the pearl. So in Jesus' mind, the kingdom of God is like super important. And you and I get to invest in the kingdom with our time, our energy, and money. So uh, Kevin Saunders and I led off talking about investing our money and how much God can do through your money as you invest it really all over the world, locally and globally. And then pastors Kelly and Tommy and Cassie shared with you about investing your time and energy in building community. Thank you for doing that here. And in serving outside Mercy Vineyard into the cities that we live in, schools, workplaces, and then investing inside Mercy. And again, thank you for doing that. I'm going to wrap that service up today by talking about how you and I can invest in the kingdom by serving the nations well. And I think we can serve the nations in at least two ways. One, we can serve the nations by welcoming people who come to this country from other nations. Uh, for example, I have a daughter-in-law, Dee. She and her family moved here from South Korea. We love Dee. And we've gotten to be wonderfully close to their family. Her uh, father, Mark, died a year ago, which was hard and still is hard. But he and I became really close through the whole process. We would text back and forth. He fought cancer for over a year and a half. I would text passages when they come to my mind, and he would respond immediately, thank you for that, and so on. So Mark and I became friends. I'm looking forward to seeing him one great day when we're in heaven together. Uh, I have a son-in-law, Jonathan, who and his family came here from Mexico. And he and Anna, uh, I'm thrilled with him. He's just a wonderful husband to my daughter. So, it's, so we have learned to welcome the nations inside our own family. And it has made us such a richer Marsden family, uh, <coughs> knowing each other. I also have two really great, well, several great friends, but two that I'll mention, Teddy and Leila Mason. They're from the Philippines. Teddy is a super brilliant IT guy. And... Uh, came to uh, the Twin Cities to work uh, alone. And uh, I remember when he walked into our church in River Heights Vineyard where we found it years ago. And I, got, I, I, I liked him right away. I said hi. And as we talked, I, uh, the next week he came back again. He was always there early. And I said, how did you happen to come pick this church? He said, well, I don't have a car and you were the closest one. I thought, oh, great. I thought it was because of the preacher. Uh, and he said, no, you're good. But you were close and I could walk here. Anyway, and I said, well, I'm glad, Teddy. And I said, you know, have you got a small group yet? He said, no. And, I, and remember, I, like, I don't have a car. And I said, well, I have a car. I'll be glad to pick you up. So I picked uh, <coughs> Teddy up for actually several years. We'd pick him up and we gave him a small group. He became a great friend and is a great friend. One day he was praying. He, was, he asked us to pray that his wife and two daughters now were going to come to the U.S. And... Uh, 
they wanted to kind of know where to land, and they had family in California, so he asked us to pray because he was going to look for jobs in California. I said, absolutely, we'll pray. So I pray right out. I said, Lord, we do not want Teddy to move to California. We want him to stay in Minnesota with us. He looks at me kind of like shocked, and I said, but in the slim chance that you want him in California, okay, uh, we will agree with that and bless him, whatever he decides. Um, I don't know, it was after his wife and family and daughters moved here, must have been three, four months later, we were having a breakfast, and he comes up and he smiles, and he said, your prayer's won. And of course, I don't remember anything about that. And so I said, what are you talking about? He said, we're staying in Minnesota. And I said, well, that's awesome. I said, can you tell me why? Two reasons. One, it costs a lot more to live in California than we thought. That was one reason. He said, but the bigger reason is, my wife Layla told me one day, to Teddy, why are we thinking of moving to California? Our family is here. And he thought, well, you know, our, mom, our parents live in the Philippines. He said, no, you know, our church family's here. And so anyway, it's been a thrill for me and to see their girls grow up and and uh, their oldest daughter is now going to the University of Minnesota next fall. So we can serve the nations well by welcoming people well and helping them find their footing and their way in this nation of ours. But we can also serve the nations well by going to the nations to serve and experience Jesus with them. And I want to talk most about that today. But let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you love every one of us, you love every nation, you love all people, and that your, your great desire is to see everyone together, united from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, worshiping Jesus and experiencing your presence together. We thank you that that is where we are, the direction we're going. And Lord, we'd like to see more of that even right now while we are on this side of heaven. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So my wife and Sue and I just came back from a wonderful 10-day ministry trip in Mexico. Yes, we were suffering for Jesus again in Mexico. Well, you're suffering for Jesus here in slightly colder weather. Uh, but somebody's got to do it, right? Uh, it was actually a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. We have worked, Sue and I, our, our River Heights Vineyard Church, for 24 years in Mexico. We lead a partnership of seven other churches that work in Mexico, along with, there's two other U.S. partnerships. It's also now uh, Costa Rica and Chile are also partnering with us and working in Mexico. So we have a four-nation alliance, Mexico, U.S., Costa Rica, and Chile, and it's just an awesome thing. So we were in Zacatecas, which is in the mountains, about 12,000 feet, beautiful university, musical city, uh, in a classic theater with three balconies where 500 of us gathered as the, as Mexico was released and commissioned as its own association of vineyard churches. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. National directors from the U.S., Phil and Jan Stroud, as well as Chile, <coughs> Claudio and Priscilla, and Costa Rica, um, Elmer Rojas and his wife Monica were there as well. And then the Mumfords, who are famous for their children, Mumford and Sons, they led the vineyard in England, and uh, so they were there. And so it was a really wonderful time of celebrating what God has been doing. It was a, a dream come true for Sue and I and for many who worked in Mexico for 20 to 40 years. It's amazing what God can do with little people like me 
who simply want to serve. I grew up in a town of 365 people, country town. Anybody here grew up in a town less than 500 besides me? Ah, there's more of us in this service. My people, yay, don't be ashamed. Jesus grew up in Nazareth was how much? 300 when Jesus lived there. All right, you're in good company. Uh, but I never knew, what the heck? Who's going to use a little farm boy like me around the world? Well, Jesus wanted to. And you know, Jesus wants you to serve, and I to serve the nations. Personally, as families, and together as a larger mercy family. You can serve people all over the world with the gifts that God has given you. The lives of boys and girls, men and women, can be changed forever, including yours. This April, Sue and I will be leading a team to Puerto Vallarta to work with our dear friends Mario and Letty Santian, who have planted several churches in Vallarta over the past 10 years. We're going to be serving in colonias that have no church presence at all. And the one we're going to be working in, we've discovered, is the, the young people and children are, well, they're kind of rough and ready. They've not been treated well, and so it's going to be an interesting experience trying to bring the love of Jesus and the blessing of Jesus into their lives. So you can be praying for us. We have 13 people going, 11 people from River Heights. Mark Perriott here from Mercy's going. He's going to be scouting the way and, and bringing reports back to you. Uh, and then there's one hybrid person going that's got a dual membership, Mercy and River Heights. Ah, that's me. Anyway, but we're excited and we appreciate your prayer. So that's happening. But Leo, our youth pastor here, wonderful guy, Leo, Leo is going to be championing missions here at Mercy. So it's in the early stages. He and I have been talking and praying about this. He really feels an urging to, to do this. And so we want to engage more in international ministry here. So if you have any interest in that at all, hey, it'd be great to chat with Leo and say, hey, uh, I'm interested and I'm sure he's going to arrange a meeting and talk about that and dream and pray as to what that might look like here at Mercy. So I encouraged him from something John Wimber, who founded the vineyard, just to tell all of us. He said, if you want to grow in anything, this is the, this is the plan. Do it. <laughs> just do it, and then step back, think about it, read about it, talk to other people who are doing it, and then keep doing it. Now, uh, so that's what Leo's doing. So this July, July 7 to 11, he's going to lead a youth team to Puerto Vallarta, uh, and uh, he wanted me to share these words with you. At Mercy, we believe we don't exist just for ourselves. We exist for others as well. We want to bless people of all backgrounds and all ethnicities. That includes going to the nations to give and receive blessing. So this summer, we have an opportunity to send some of our youth to Puerto Vallarta. Now, we're not just sending them. Leo's leading them there, okay? They're not just, oh, here, go to Puerto Vallarta, have a great time. No, Leo's taking the team, okay? Um, our goal is to be a blessing to the church. They're going to work with a mission organization called LEAD222, which partners with Vinya Vallarta, and they will be doing outreaches in the day. They'll be teaching. There'll be a discipleship experience for them as well. Seven, July 7 to 11, it's going to cost $8.50 plus the airfare. So you can be praying, and if you have any urging, hey, I'd like to help sponsor a kid or, or half a kid or the arm of a kid or whatever uh, to go, <laughs> you know, we would love to receive whatever help you want to give. And you can contact Leo uh, at leo.org. Elvis at mercyvineyard.org. Okay, so going on short-term mission trips, we've been doing this as a family, my wife and I and our, our six kids off and on. We took our kids maybe when they were 10. 
It's changed our lives. It's changed our family for the better. I'm so grateful. It's brought a, a new sense of faith and confidence and, and love for people of other cultures to our children and family. Two of our kids now teach in public schools in Chicago as a result of their experience working with children in Mexico. So I really recommend it for you. Uh, I'm, this is our kind of uh, initial launch. I hope I'm not going to be like forcing anything here. I want to encourage and us respond to God, but I'm hoping that we'll be doing trips every single year, both for youth and adults and mixed ages, okay? So be praying with us about that. Now, there's one of the, one of the great stories in the Bible that has always encouraged me in this regard of serving the nations well. We find it in Acts 12.25 to 13.2. So we're going to be working through these verses a little bit at a time. Uh, the core of them is an example of a church that served the nations really well. Now, in the midst of that core, there's a lot of other great stuff, too. So I'm going to make several different points. So here, Acts 12.25 says this. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. So this is kind of like a transition verse. Now, you might say, well, what mission did they finish? Well, the backstory of this is the the church in Antioch, Syria, which was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time, Rome was number one, Alexandria, Egypt, and then Antioch. <coughs> that, it's a wonderful story about how that community formed. You can read about it in Acts 11 to 19 to 30. I'm just going to summarize here. So there was a great persecution that took place in Jerusalem. Stephen, one of the early uh, servers who helped sort out the food issues they had in Acts 6. He was a great preacher. He preached. They didn't like what he preached, and they stoned him to death. Paul was holding the coats of those who were stoning him, and it had such an impact on Paul. God used that to get into Paul's life. So people were scattered. The leaders were able to stay in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people were scattered around. And some of those who were scattered went and preached the gospel to people who were not Jewish. They're called Gentiles. That's the rest of the peoples of the world. In Antioch, and the power of the Lord was so present that a great number believed. Now the church in Jerusalem hears about this, and they want to check it out. So they send a guy named Barnabas, who's a really encouraging guy. He's from Cyprus, so he kind of knows the culture a little bit. And so he's checking it out to make sure they were teaching accurately about Jesus and who he was, what he'd done, and what it meant to follow him. He goes there, and he sees the evidence of the grace of God, which means he saw people's lives changing. Now, that's a great thing to be able to notice that, isn't it? It's a great thing to notice that. One of our values here at Mercy Vineyard is to be a God-driven people. That means that we're trying to recognize, what are you doing, Lord? You're doing something in the world all the time. Jesus in John 5 says, my father is always working, and I am working. So for us, it's important, what are you doing, God? What are you doing here and there, and how might I join you? So learning to see that is a great skill. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit, but you can develop it, because all gifts, they're just given by grace. They're not given because of how good we are or ever will be. They're just given. But they all can be developed as well. Learning to see is something you can develop. All right, so Barnabas had this gift. He saw, this is great. And so he encouraged them, stay true to Jesus. And many more believed. There's a principle here, friends. When we recognize, notice, pay attention, see what God's doing, and agree with it and bless it ourselves, you know what happens? More happens. Now, we notice that as we pray for people. This has been one of the great 
surprises of my life. When as I learned to pray for people, when I would recognize God's doing something, ask me, anything going on? They said, oh, you know, I got this, I have heat all over my lungs. And often they'll point to their back because actually your lungs are closer to your back than to your front. And so uh, I'd say, well, that's great. And so I'd put my hand there. I'd say, Lord, do more here. And I'd say, what's happening? Oh, they're hotter yet. And uh, usually that means healing is going on. Isn't it amazing? I mean, this is God. He can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants. But he chooses to invest and partner with you and I. And so when we actually say, Lord, I bless what you're doing. Thank you. Would you do more of this? He does. So Barnabas was doing that. So things were hopping in Antioch. Lots of great stuff. Barnabas realizes, there are so many believers here. We need help. So he remembers that God had, had called Saul to speak good news to the Gentiles. And so he goes and hunts for him. He finds him. Took him a while. Brings him back. And they begin to teach these believers in Antioch. And that's where they, the believers were first called Christians, which means little Christs or Christ followers. So something was really evident with these folks that other people would say, you're like a little Jesus. Uh, And they meant that in the best possible way. Uh, So good things were happening in this church. The community was being formed. Uh, At a certain point, some prophetic people hearing from God speaking came, and a guy named Agabus said, there's going to be a prophesied, there's going to be a great famine in the entire Roman Empire. And Luke tells us that this actually happened in the reign of Claudius. So interesting, immediately this community, generous-hearted, touched by the Holy Spirit, said, we need to help our brothers and sisters in Judea who are really suffering. And so they gave as much as they could. They needed to get that gift to Jerusalem. How did they get it there? There, there weren't wire transfers at that time. So people had to actually take it. And so who did they send? They sent Barnabas and Saul. Interesting, isn't it? Pretty high praise. They sent their best teachers to take care of the money because on the way, well, they wanted all the money to get there. You know what I mean? They didn't want any of it kind of siphoned off in the other direction. One of the things I've learned through 40-some years of ministry is one of the key signs of a good leader is how they handle money, whether they can be trusted with money. John Wimber, again, used to tell us, do the easy thing and then do the hard thing. To which we responded, uh, a little more detail, please. What's the easy thing? He'd say, easy thing, give your money. Hard thing, give your whole life. I find the two are connected. So they gave, and this, uh, this was the mission they were on. So they finish this, they get back, and surprise, God has a new assignment for them. Now, and I was praying about this. This is all about going to the nations, but there's a lot of other little things. Have you asked God what his assignment might be for you in 2020? It, it may not mean quit your job and go somewhere else. I'm not saying that, but I suspect that he's got new assignments for all of us. So now we're going to see a new assignment that, they, that he has for not only Barnabas and Saul, but for their this Antioch church. So verse 1 of chapter 13 says this. One day they were... I'm finding my notes here now. Oh, among the prophets, sorry. Among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch of Syria were Barnabas 
Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. So this was a multicultural, multi-ethnic leadership team. Multicultural, multi-ethnic teams bring special benefits. So you see here you've got Cypriot Jew, Barnabas, you have Simeon, the black man probably from Africa, Lucius from Cyrene or North Africa, Menaean who was upper class, companion of, of the king, and Saul who was an academic, educated in the best Greek, the best Hebrew schools of his time. Tim Keller, who is the pastor of Redeemer Press in Manhattan, says this, in general, a group of very different people who can agree on common goals is a far more creative team than one made up of similar people. You've probably experienced that in your work environment or somewhere else. See, that's a value that I think God has. It's a value we have here at Mercy to grow in being a, a multi-ethnic, multicultural community of faith. One of the core classes we teach, Ruthie Johnson teaches this, Loving Across Differences. I'm taking it right now. It's a great class. So there's a multi-ethnic, multicultural team that really represented Antioch well. And what were they doing? So Acts 13.2 says, One day, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So uh, the sense is here that it wasn't just these five guys worshiping and fasting, that it was likely a larger part of this community that were doing this, and this was like a regular thing they did, not just a special meeting. Not that it's wrong to have special nights of worship and prayer, but that this was a regular spiritual practice they had. Can I say to you that regular spiritual practices open you up to the experience of the leadership and the voice of the Holy Spirit more and more. So they were doing that, and the Holy Spirit speaks to them. We don't exactly know how Luke is intentionally vague. It's possibly through a prophetic word from someone that he has a, God has a new assignment for Barnabas and Saul. Special work that I've called them to do. Now, did the church immediately say, yay, let's send them off? Who were Barnabas and Saul? They were founding people in this church. They were teachers. They were 40% of their leadership team, their executive team. So no, I don't think they said, hey guys, have a great time, go. It's, so then you, you move on to the next verse, verse three to five, and we see how important community discernment is. So after more fasting and prayer, we don't know how much more, but I suspect it was more than 12 minutes, they took some time. And after getting a confirming sense, yes, the Holy Spirit is really speaking this, then they laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. And so they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, doesn't it say the church sent them on their way? Yes, it does. But then it says they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit's the great sender. God is on a great mission to rescue this entire world. And so he wants you and I involved. And so he had a special job for Barnabas and Saul. And they, they and, and sent them on their way. Now, what is what might this mean for us at Mercy? You personally, again, I'm just going to pitch the idea to you that God has new assignments regularly for our lives. I don't mean every single day or even every single month, but I think He has got special assignments that could be simple, like, hey, talk to this person, go across, say hi to this person, have coffee with this person. Da da da. Could be that. It could be something more than that. 
the way we, we will be able to recognize those is with regular spiritual practices, things like worship, things like prayer, things like fasting. How many of you really love worshiping? You just wave at me. That's great. How many of you really love fasting? Not quite as many hands. A few. Uh, I've always thought it was a terrible name. It should be called slowing because it goes slow, so slow for me when I fast. You know, uh, when we started River Heights, I really felt like God said, you need to fast. And I said, oh, you know, I'm not any good at that. And uh, he directed me to John Wesley, who did a certain kind of fasting. He didn't eat until 3 p.m., but he ate then, like one meal a day. So I did that for a number of weeks. I didn't eat until 3 I ate right at three. <laughs> anyway, not 301 or 302, three. <laughs> but anyway, but I drove around town and I prayed and it was, it really, it, it helped God put the city of Invergrove and its surrounding area into my heart as I gave that time to him. I didn't just fast, I prayed. All right, so spiritual practices will help you here. They will help us here as a community. Now, <sighs> God's doing some big things at Mercy. It's been a, last year was a challenging year, but we came through it. God bless all of you. We came through it. This is a different year. I think we're, there's, there's something new. There's growth coming. There's new clarity of vision. We're in the search process for our, our next new lead pastor. The, the profile's up on the Vineyard website. It's on our webpage. You can read about it. Could I appeal to you? Pray with us. This is a community discernment thing. Yes, we have a search team that's doing the work of interviewing and sifting and sorting. Yes, we have a board that, as we interact, will make the, the ultimate decision, yes. But all of you who are members, you will vote to confirm that. So we need you doing your part, as it were, actively engaging, partnering with the Holy Spirit, because we are all so much wiser together. You hear the Holy Spirit. We need to hear. So our search team, if you don't know, Libby Sutherland is leading it. She's doing an awesome job. Uh, Jared Luke is on that team. Tom Dunn, who's suffering for Jesus in California right now, is on that team. He'll be back. Uh, Leo's on that team, I'm on that team, and, and Tanya Schmidt. You can talk to any of us. You can email us, you can ask questions, you can share your thoughts. We want to hear. At the annual meeting, we'll give you whatever update we have. We'll continue to give you updates. We're committed so that you know what's going on so you can be praying and engaging with us. Because we believe this. We believe in community discernment. We believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us. Now, as I was praying about this, I felt like the Lord wanted me to say a couple specific things about this process to you and I. I've said, one, pray and be engaged. Two, enjoy the process. That might seem a little odd. What? Enjoy the process? I don't know who's coming. I'm a little nervous about this process. Hey, friends, you don't have to worry. Jesus is the head of the whole church. He's the head of Mercy Vineyard. He loves mercy he shed his blood. He purchased us with his own blood. He's committed here. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be the administrator, the one who steers the way, guides us into connection with Jesus, connection with each other, connection with Jesus' purpose. He is already working. So I believe, you know, this is a time we're going to have a new assignment from at Mercy. That's to search, find, welcome the new person and family that's going to be the long-term lead pastor. I'm praying for somebody that'll be here 25 years. Now, we're not necessarily going to scare them and say, 
commit 25 years of your life. No, I wouldn't do that. But that's what my, because that's good for churches, friends. No matter how well you do a transition, it's a, it's a, it's a stress on churches. You do not want to do them regularly, like every three, four, five years. Every 25 years is a good ratio, okay? So pray with us about that. We want to, we're praying for someone that's been in a larger church than Mercy is currently that can lead us larger because I'm just going to say, friends, I think Mer- Mercy has room. We, we see room. There's chairs here. But I think there's room in our hearts. This is a leader-rich environment. I think Mercy could be 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 people. Okay, now, numbers are numbers, but numbers represent people. Okay, I'm a number person, so I actually like numbers. But I just believe God wants us to grow. So we're looking for someone that would have had experience with a larger church already that has the feel of that, that kind of has swum in that water, so to speak. That's really helpful. All right, so enjoy the process. Trust God. Communicate with us. God's got somebody already in mind, I believe. I think he's already giving someone a new assignment that's going to be Mercy Vineyard. He's always ahead of us. God's the initiator. He always goes first. We're responders. We're going to do our work. We don't know what we don't know, so we want to find out. That's important. That's our part. But trust God. He's got a really great person, great family to lead us. All right? All right, so now then they they sent them off. Now let's just look a little bit at what happened as they went out. All right, so they, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, which was the provincial capital. Paul's strategy was to get to big cities. If Paul was going to come to, to uh, Minnesota, I think he'd come to Minneapolis-St. Paul and start. <coughs> where, they, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Interestingly, that name literally means son of salvation. That's pretty weird. Uh, But he was a false prophet and a sorcerer. So he was connected spiritually, but he was not connected to the Holy Spirit. He was connected to the dark side. And he had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, which is what demonized people do because they want to be connected to places of power because Satan wants to harm, steal, kill, destroy as many many people in one fell swoop as he can. So he's always looking for people, places of power. So he'd done that. Now, Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man, and he, the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him. He wanted to hear the word of God. What's going on here? So the Holy Spirit, who says, hey, I have a special job, new assignment for Paul and for Barnabas and Saul, and that gets confirmed by the community of believers in Antioch. They send them, which meant prayer, financial support, blessing. Why? Well, the Holy Spirit's working here. He's working in this person, Sergius Paulus. Uh, you may already have gathered this if you know me at all. I'm not a good enough or smart enough person to get to Jesus on my own. I needed the help of the Holy Spirit. I needed him working in me, stirring me, churning with me, changing me, drawing me. I suspect that's true of you too. Sergius Paulus, the the Holy Spirit was at work. He wanted to hear Romans um, three is fairly clear. Nobody seeks God on their own. 
So if you have friends, family that you're concerned about, please be praying for the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts because that's what we all need. So that was happening here, all right? And so Eliamus, the sorcerer, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Paul and Barnabas were saying. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. And Saul, who was known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, wasn't Paul filled with the Holy Spirit before? Wasn't he filled right after he was, you know, Jesus broke into his life? Yep. But he's filled again. This is great news, friends. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can be filled over and over and over again. My experience, every time you are filled, you're also kind of enlarged, so you can receive more the next time, and then more, and then more, and then more. So, there may be somebody in this room that say, I really don't know what you're talking about. I don't think I've ever been experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You can. You can today. We would love to pray for you. I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and being filled almost all the time. It's somebody else praying for me. Not that I don't ask God on my own, but there's something about other people praying for you and blessing you that that connect. So we'd love to pray for you today. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over many times, but maybe you need to be refilled today. Paul needed this for this assignment. So God just doesn't give new assignments. He gives new power and equipment to deal with whatever. So as they get here, there's an immediate resistance. Could I say to you this year, as you have new assignments from God, it's going to be easy peasy. You'll never have a problem at all. It'll be just like this first year of your life, you've never had one problem, right? except a preacher who might be lying to you. Okay, no, you're going to get some resistance, but you don't have to be afraid of it. It's normal. It's what happens because the kingdom of God is moving forward and there's resistance, so there's resistance here. But Paul knows what to do because the Holy Spirit comes and fills him and helps him to see. So what does he see? He looked the sorcerer in the eye and he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that's good, Yeah, that's not like a good phrase, right? Uh, None of us would want that said about us, would we? Uh, Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you. You will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Now, there's mercy in there that it's some time. It's not permanent. His spiritual blindness now was manifested physically and Mist and darkness comes over his eyes. He begins groping around, begging someone, take his hand, lead him. And when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So there is power happening here that the the governor realizes something. God is doing something here. But then he gets teaching from Paul, so it's both and. We need, friends, the works of God to see the kingdom go forward and we need the words of God to see the kingdom go forward. So, this was quite the start on the very first missionary journey for Barnabas and Saul, and they learned a lot. There's mercy here, I believe, for this sorcerer. Paul knew what it was to be temporarily blind, temporarily blind, didn't he? Remember when, he, when Jesus arrested him, he was blind for three days. And then God sent Ananias and prayed for him, and he could see. There is a potential that when this blindness was over for Elimus, 
that the governor shared his own story of Jesus with him. I don't know if this happened, but I just think there's great mercy from God. So new assignments for you personally, new assignments for us as a, as a family, a new power and presence of the Holy Spirit, new gifts, new ability to see and partner with God. I think all of that's here for us. So I don't know what God is speaking to you here in terms of learning how to serve the nations well, but I think we need all this. We need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need community discernment. We need equipping to deal with whatever is going to get in the way so that we can keep moving forward. Remember, Tommy, for this year, has just really felt like this is going to be a year of growing in faith for all of us. Now, I would like to grow in faith by reading a book. Be awesome. I love reading. <laughs> and, I, and books are helpful. But my growth in faith has been as I've taken steps, and particularly steps through some things that might be challenging. And I suspect you're going through some challenges even now. I want you to know God loves you. We love you. He's with you. He's going to lead you through, through these things just like he led Barnabas and Saul. So what a great story. So many things to learn and put into practice. Here's some questions for you. What new assignment might God have for you in 2020? For us at Mercy. What regular practices could you engage in that would help you open up more to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? What about us at Mercy? Who are you in community with that helps you discern God's voice more clearly? Are you in a growth group? Do you come to At Mercy Wednesday? Do you have a book club? Do you have some connection where people can weigh in? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Would you like to be filled again? We would love to pray for you. I'm going to pray now, but I'd love the worship team to come. And uh, they're going to lead us in some worship. We have communion available in all four corners. You don't have to be a member of Mercy. We just encourage you to be a follower of Jesus. We'll be, uh, they'll be passing, uh, offering baskets by. Don't feel under any pressure to give. But we'd love to encourage you to invest your life in the kingdom. I want to pray now. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you love the nations. Thank you that you love every person everywhere. Thank you that one great day we will be together worshiping you. I think, Lord, we'll keep our cultures, we'll keep our languages, we'll, we'll be us, but we, we'll be the best version of us possible. Lord, I'm really excited for that. And Lord, I'd like to see more of that at Mercy Vineyard and really in your church everywhere now. So would you help us lean toward that, Lord? Lord, you know that we each need you for particular things that are right in front of us now and for things that will be in front of us this next year. We thank you for protection. We thank you for community. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that you have many, many gifts for us that you will lead us well. And Lord, even right now, we bless the new lead pastor, person, family that you're stirring with that we're going to recognize and confirm uh, is called here to be with us at Mercy. We thank you in advance for that. Help us do our part, but thank you. Lord, help us enjoy the process. Help us learn to listen to you even more this year for small things, medium-sized things, and for the big things. We thank you for your love in Jesus' name.